You are listening to The Dan Patrick Show on Fox Sports Radio. Welcome to the program. It's final hour on this Monday. Hope you had a good weekend, a safe weekend. Gang's all here, ready to go. I think everybody's in pretty good spirits. McLovin, not sure if you love your Eagles draft. Fritzy had a good draft for the Broncos. Seton's a Patriot fan. I don't know if you're happy with that. Fritzy, the Chicago Bears got another tight end. Exactly what the Chicago Bears needed. Yes, McLovin. My phone was unbelievable. Philly fans were so mad, Dan, because of the Hurts pick. They want to leave the team. Well, okay, which draft pick is worse? That the Eagles took Jalen Hurts or that the Packers, you know, took Jordan Love? I mean, the Love pick is way more controversial. Oh, yeah. It's earlier. Yeah, I'm okay with Jalen Hurts just because of Carson Wentz. I'm not sure about Carson Wentz as we move forward. That's all. And, And you have a team that's still good. I know you have holes. Every team has holes. But if you're if you're looking at this, you know, the last couple of years with Carson Wentz getting injured, he uh, got concussed last year in the playoffs. Are you sold on Nate Sudfeld? And if you were, then you wouldn't take Jalen Hurts. You got a value pick there. I was hoping Jalen Hurts would land someplace else where you'd have an opportunity to start in the next two years. But I have a problem with Jordan Love with that trade, just because I don't think it helps you immediately. And if you're trying to win a, a Super Bowl with Aaron Rodgers, this does not help you win a Super Bowl. Update the poll results there, McLovin. Reggie Miller will join us coming up in the final hour. Did you like the traditional draft or the new virtual draft more? 57% say the traditional draft. It should be more. This was a novelty, and, and, and there's a recency bias with that. I get that, but you know this, is, this was a novelty. If this was the way it's going to be as we move forward, we'd sort of get tired of seeing the setups that these guys have in their, their homes. It was nice to give us a little peek in to Belichick's life or Vrabel's life or Cliff Kingsbury. That seemed like an awful big house for just one person with Cliff, Cliff Kingsbury. I'm going to guess that he's not the only person in that house. I'm just guessing. Yes, Eden. It was actually just a two-bed, two-bathroom, but <laughs> still <laughs> 20,000 square feet. The rooms are just massive. <laughs> Uh, we got a winner on Fritzy's scoreboard, which is uh, something he does every morning. It's 34 and 44, the numbers. And uh, David in D.C. is the big winner. Fritzy, you want to give us a hint? I would love to. The clue is heat and cold. Heat and cold. Not hot and cold. Nope, heat, heat and cold. Heat and cold. Talk about the heat and cold. Well, the heat and the heat. They're both, uh, <laughs> also throw in that they're both uh, jersey numbers. But I was going to go... I was going to go Shaq. Uh, heat will refer to someone that throws very hard. Oh, Nolan Ryan. 1983, Nolan Ryan became, on this date in history in 83, becomes the strikeout king, passing Walter Johnson 3,509. Obviously, Nolan Ryan wears number 34. All right. And number 44 is the cold. Cold, and it's a nickname in uh, what I think I would believe is your favorite sport. Cold. But 44 is the nickname? 44 is the number. Cold clue has to do with his nickname. Oh, okay. Uh, Ice Gervin. 1952, George Gervin was born oh, this date in Detroit, Michigan. He wore number 44. Nolan Ryan's your heat. George Gervin Damn. is your cold. Those, those are really hard clues. Someone got it, though, so it couldn't have been that hard. I know, but nobody knows that unless you don't know that face value. Nolan Ryan and George Gervin. All righty. Thank you, Todd. <laughs> I, 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 hey, look, I ask you to come up with tougher ones because I'd walk in and I would look at the numbers and I would say, oh, it's that and that. And you'd go, 
How did you know that? And I go, I, I just, that is that what it is? And you go, yes. Then I would say, two guys that are on the show that day and that's their jersey numbers or something lame like that was when I was yes. first doing and, this. And now you put in a little more time into it and you're making it tough. So I, I asked for the, yeah, yeah. You're doing some research there. Well done, Todd. <laughs> Thank you. All right. Uh, let's see. What else have we gone over here? Uh, we talked about the draft. NBA allowing facilities to open up May 1st. The Saints sign Taysom Hill. They're going to sign Jameis Winston. NFL draft gets all-time TV ratings. Yeah. yeah. I mean, it was the only thing on. And then you had the Bulls documentary last night. Uh, Matt in South Carolina. Hey, Matt. Best and worst of the weekend. Hey, what's up, DP? Uh, yeah, <clears throat> worst of the weekend. Uh, I'm only 25, so I didn't live through like the bad boys of that era. But watching that. Uh, it reminded me, like, anyone who's ever played pickup basketball has played with people like that that are, like, not skilled enough to really do anything, so they just hack you every time you drive the lane. Yeah. Uh, it was frustrating because it doesn't really seem like real basketball. Uh, best of the weekend, Mr. Paulie Papp's Twitter feed all weekend long for the draft. Uh, like, Thursday at 4 p.m., he tweeted out, like, I'm two drafts in. And I immediately turned on post <laughs> notifications because I knew he was going to be on fire. Uh, I just imagine he's just bundled up in 48-degree weather, two flannels on, and the only time he got up was just to head to the kegerator he keeps on the back patio. Uh, it was great. All right. Well, thank you, Matt. Here's Michael Jordan responding to the director of the documentary talking about Isaiah Thomas walking off the court. This is after the Pistons lost to the Bulls in the playoffs. The Bulls finally got over the hump beating the Pistons, and uh, the Pistons did not wait to shake the Bulls' hands. Well, I know it's all bull****. Whatever he says now, you know it wasn't his true actions then. You know, it's time enough to think about it. Or the reaction of the public that's kind of changed his perspective of it. You can show me anything you want. There's no way you can convince me he wasn't that Mike hasn't let this go. He also talk about, uh, talked about the Bulls shaking hands when they lost. All you got to do is you go back to us losing in game seven. I shook everybody's hand. Two years in a row, we shook their hands when they beat us. There was a certain respect to the game that we paid to them. That's sportsmanship. No matter how much it hurts, and believe me, it hurt. But they didn't have to shake our hands. We knew we whipped their ass already. We gotten past them. And that was the most that's that, to me that was better than, you know, in some ways winning a championship. Bill Lane Beer had the idea when they're sitting on the benches, the game is winding down. He's the one that says, let's just walk off and not shake their hands. Here's Isaiah Thomas about shaking the hands of the Chicago Bulls. Knowing what we know now. In the aftermath of what took place, I think all of us would have stopped and said, hey, congratulate, like they do now. Hey, congratulate, love you, man, love you. Hey, congratulate you. I mean, we would have did it. Of course we would have done it. But during that period of time, that's just not how it was passed. When you lost, you left the floor. How's it? Okay, wait a minute. He would do it now? Knowing what he knows now? What does he know now? Like that it'd still be a topic for three decades. Yeah, but, but like what is... And it would cost him a spot on the Olympic team. Okay, that's the reason why he should have shaken Michael's hand. Which there's no doubt it did. Yeah, but you can't go knowing what we know now, what? That that's the dynasty and, and Jordan's the greatest player of all time and we should have treated them with more respect? I loved it. 
I know it's about, you know, shaking hands and good sportsmanship. But in that moment, you don't have to make any apologies. Like Michael Jordan wasn't trying to be liked. He wanted you to respect him. You didn't have to like him. And the Pistons didn't care either. They didn't care if you liked them or not. So knowing what you know now, I would hope you'd say, I still wouldn't shake his hand because that's how intense it was. That's what made it so great. It was powerful. Now, what is it? Bad basketball and what they allowed the Pistons to get away with? The New York Knicks back then and what they allowed them to get away with? Yes, it was. At times, it was embarrassing for the NBA. You had no fluidity. You had guys who were able to stay in the league, and all they did is punish you. you, you I mean, you had the Bruise brothers, Jeff Rulin and Rick Mahorn. They, I mean, Rulin had talent. Mahorn was there to just be a, a tough guy, a bodyguard. Charles Oakley, the same way. That's why Michael loved Charles Oakley. Oakley was going to go into battle for him. He was going to take somebody on if he had to. But back then when you watched it, if Mike went, if he went to the hole, your, your job was to put him on his butt. And you can, you can hear that in the documentary. Brendan Malone, the assistant coach for the Pistons, if Mike went to the hoop, he was going down. That's it. Before he gets up, make sure he doesn't get up. And that is go, you know, jump in the air. But, I mean, it was physical. Extremely physical. Nowadays, you know, we have flagrant ones and flagrant twos. And back then you just had, there was a regular season foul and a playoff foul. And they roughed up Michael. And it made Michael a better player, but Michael never forgot. But that's what made him so great. He was taking any slight, any grudge, he could hold it. And if he could use that as fuel, he was going to do that. But the fact, look, Mike could be petty. The fact that Chuck Daly was the coach of the Pistons on the Olympic team, the dream team, Michael and Magic somehow, or Michael somehow convinced them that Isaiah is not going to be on this team. And Magic and Isaiah were supposed to be best of buddies. They'd kiss before games. And then you had Bird with the issues with Isaiah and Rodman in the playoff game when they said if he was a black player, he'd be just another player. The Pistons rubbed you the wrong way. But they did it brilliantly. They would be called trolls now. They would troll the NBA. Whether you liked it or not. Lame Beer. Wasn't a great college player. I think got drafted by the Cavs. You know, he was basically, you know, just a big guy who had, he kind of threw away any basketball career. He wasn't dedicated to it. And then all of a sudden, Bill Lane Beer became a very smart, good basketball player. He had a role. They had Joe Dumars, who came out of a small school. They found Dennis Rodman, you know, John Sally came there. James Edwards came there. Vinnie Johnson came there. They built a team, a true team, and really an underrated team. Because if you think Rodman was special with the Bulls, he was spectacular with the Pistons. He was unbelievable. He would guard the best guy. You wanted him on Worthy? He's on Worthy. You want him on Bird? He's on Bird. He wasn't afraid of anybody. He ran all day. He was a better all-around player. He jumped, he rebounds, defense, and 
That was a great team. Vinny Johnson. What a great nickname. The Microwave. The Pistons were great. I don't want any apologies from the Pistons. They don't need to apologize for a damn thing they did because that's what made you great. And Jordan doesn't need to apologize because that's what made you great. You didn't want, you didn't want anybody to come up and say, hey, awesome, man, you were great. They gave you the respect by walking off the court and not saying anything to you. That's when you know you're in their head. God, I would have taken a victory lap. If somebody is so mad that they're not going to say congratulations, man, I'm in your head. I got you. Gotcha. Yeah, Paul. The one thing I did want in the documentary, maybe it'll come out at some point, but last night I wanted to know from Michael Jordan, yes or no, did you tell Chuck Daly oh. that you didn't want Isaiah Thomas on the Dream Team? You mm. verbally say it to Chuck Daly. Yeah. Put it to bed forever because everyone knows he did. Why would he? Well, I, I don't know if Michael wants to sort of have revisionist history here and we look at him differently. If, if Do we think worse of him if he would be that petty and say to Chuck Daly, I, I, if he had the power and he didn't want to play with Isaiah, okay, fine. I, there was such a grudge. This, this isn't some you know, little game or you know, like a pseudo feud here. This was real. Like you thought every time they played in the postseason, a fight could break out. The tension between those two, those two teams, tangible, man. And, and, you know, somebody who's older, I miss that. I miss that it means so much. It's going to hurt. I'll carry this for 30 years. God, I love that. You, you say something to Bird right now, and he's going to take you back to some moment and go, it, you know, it still hurts. I haven't gotten over it. I love that. Now, because sometimes I feel like today's players, how invested are they? Like, how important is winning to them? How important is it? And back then it was. Not, not life and death, but it's pretty damn near close where you felt that. So we'll talk to Reggie uh, about the Pistons back then. I don't know if Reg caught the brunt of the Pistons. You know, they obviously had the, uh, the uh, malice at the palace. Yeah, Paul. Did you see the clip last night of Reggie? I think Reggie's going to be in a good mood today. Well, he, he broke Mike's ankles. He, he crossed him up. I know. In fact, somebody sent me, I've had a few people who sent me the email. They're like, uh, it's a quick clip. I'm trying to find good video of it, but it was a nice crossover by Reggie. Yeah, he... he Breaks, he sprains Mike's ankles here. I loved it. Yeah, I'm watching it again. I mean, it's not like uh, Iverson when he did that to Mike twice. That's still, if you're Iverson, you show that. I would carry that on my phone. Like if, if somebody, I called somebody, that would be the video that came up of me, not my face. It would be crossing over Jordan twice. And they'd be like, uh, it's AI again. Uh, the answer's calling me again. Here's the video again. God, that's great video, though. All right. We got our poll question. Uh, phone calls are welcome if you'd like. Best and worst of the weekend. What you saw that you liked and didn't like over the weekend. Uh, let me get to uh, Christian in Utah, then we'll take a break. Hey, Dan. Hey, Chris. Second time caller. Thanks for taking my call. What's on your mind? So my best of the weekend was I saw seven Utah Utes drafted. That was tied for fourth most. So I thought Kyle Whittingham put some good players in the NFL this weekend. I'm kind of excited to see where they go. He's a good coach, and, man. Good coach. Yeah, you're lucky. And uh, yeah. I, I love Moss, too. 
But uh, I got to run here, Chris. I got uh, Reggie calling in. We'll take a break. More phone calls coming up. Best and worst of the weekend. Back after this. Thanks for listening to the Dan Patrick Show podcast. Be sure to catch us live every weekday morning, 9 to noon Eastern or 6 to 9 Pacific on Fox Sports Radio. Find your local station for the Dan Patrick Show at foxsportsradio.com or stream us live every day on the iHeartRadio app by searching FSR. I was trying to find out when uh, Reggie Miller becomes a larger part of the documentary on the Bulls, what episode it is. And I think it's episode eight or nine. But, you know, Reggie has been featured a little bit. Uh, He had a nice move, crossover move on Jordan last night. But they might get into that rivalry, that relationship a little bit later on. But Reggie has been nice enough to watch. I don't think it's cathartic. I don't think it's therapeutic. But Reggie has been nice to... uh, watch the uh, first four episodes. How are you feeling today as opposed to last Monday when I talked to you? The juices continue to flow. I I think um, last night's two episodes really took me back to the center of 90s, really late 80s and early 90s basketball because uh, the feelings, and you could see the raw emotion on MJ's face, and talking about Isaiah and the bad boys and the Pistons, uh, for those people who didn't understand that, he's correct. Back then, you played, especially in your division, you played each other six times, three at home, three on the road. So you built up a lot of disdain and dislike towards certain teams. And Detroit was one of those teams. But I will say this, and I know looking at the videos and the images, of taking him out the air, a lot of teams were like that. The Knicks were like that. Miami was like that. Uh, Milwaukee was like that. The Celtics were like that. There was a lot of teams that played a very physical presence, especially in the Eastern Conference, because we only played the Eastern Conference teams twice. But especially in the East, um, that was the brand of basketball. Um, But you could see on his face – that MJ is still living with it. And I, I agree with him because, you know, we had to face him six times and go against that bad boy defense. But it was – you couldn't be a punk. You couldn't be a punk. And I remember, you know, going against, you know, Dumars. And, what do you mean, you know, punk? You not back down? Not back down, and you couldn't just settle. See, they wanted you to settle. They didn't think you could uh, – were you up for the punishment? So Joe would tell me, because he was like the gentle guy on that team. <laughs> so, and he guarded, we guarded one another. And he's like, Reg, I'm just telling you, if you beat me and you get into the paint, you know what's going to happen. Well, I know what's going to happen. What do you want me to do? Sit out here and just continue to shoot. Ju- <laughs> I, I just couldn't sit out here and shoot jump shots. So you had to take the punishment. That's just how it was. Right? You couldn't be a punk. You had to get in there and take it. So what? You get up and, you know, you move on. That style, though, like the Pistons did. It was ugly. Yeah. But but the Pistons didn't care if you like them or not. Like they wanted you to be. I would, if I'm a Piston now, if I'm Isaiah Bill Langbeer, I like that Michael Jordan's still mad. Yes. I mean, that's that's why you were playing. You wanted to rent space in somebody's head, um, you know. But I, then you turn around and you go, "Did Michael uh, rent space in their heads too?" Because then you don't. You walk off the floor. 
and you're not even going to acknowledge Jordan, you're just feeding the beast if you do that. Like, I'd rather be nice with Mike than if I'm going to, I'm going to tug on Superman's cape, it ain't going well. It's not going to go well from this point on. Well, if you're Lambeer, Mahorn, Isaiah, to a certain degree, you know, job well done. Because you're absolutely right. They did not care. At the time, and they're right, it was Larry. It was Magic. The next was Michael. And all those three teams that I just mentioned played a beautiful brand of basketball. You know, you had Showtime, Fast Break, the beautiful passes by Magic, and the finishes by Worthy and Kareem, and you had the beautiful, you know, stroke of Larry Legend, and they played well as a team in the championships. And you had Michael, who was, you know, five to six feet above everyone else, floating on air. And then you had the bad boys, right, who didn't care, who played a physical style of basketball, but guess what? It worked. And that model and brand went to New York for Pat Riley. It went to Miami with Pat Riley. So that brand of basketball was around for a while. There was a niche for it, and teams tried to adopt that. And now you see in today's games how they have gone away from that, and it's everything is more so catered towards the offense now. They would much rather see you score 115, 120, 125 points as opposed to the Pistons brand of basketball <laughs> when it was 80 to 75, right? Oh, it was so bad. Do you think that Michael Singh single-handedly said, I don't want Isaiah on the Dream Team. Yes. <laughs> and I know, you know, look, let me just say this. Isaiah Thomas should have been on that 92 Dream Team. And people are like, well, who do you, who do you have taken off? John Stockton? Uh, Clyde Drexler? One of those two guys, uh, Christian Leitner? One of those three guys. Isaiah Thomas should have been on that team because of what he had done in the league, his stature. He had won two championships. He should have been on that team. Do you know for a fact that Mike was the reason why Isaiah didn't make the dream team? I wouldn't say for a fact, but I think that is the unwritten rule that people talk about. I wouldn't say it's MJ alone. But how Um, did Mike get this past? Chuck Daly, who was Isaiah's coach, who coached the Dream Team. That's what I don't understand. Where it has nothing to do with Chuck Daly, because at the time this was Commissioner Stern putting this team together. But do you think so the commissioner do said? Do you think he said, Mike, I want you on the Dream Team? And Mike said to the commissioner, I will, but these are the guys I want. <laughs> this is the guy I, I don't say, want. No, I wouldn't say he said these are the guys I want. I believe MJ probably said, "Okay, I'll do it." But Isaiah cannot be on this team. <laughs> I didn't. He didn't like make the roster, but he made sure someone wasn't on the roster. But what bothers people or bothered people about Isaiah Thomas? Because you you know he's so cute. The smile, cute little teddy bear. He was little in stature, but he was. You talk about the bad boys, he might have been the meanest and toughest of the bad boys. But you didn't think about that because of the, of the smile. Yeah. And he had won you know, a championship at IU under Bobby Knight. And he formed that team. He formed them into that, that tough, take him out the air. But it was Lambeer and Bohorn and Buddha and Rodman and John Sally, they they took all the hits, you know, because they were the bad boys. But Isaiah was the conduct; he was conducting all of that behind the scenes. 
Talking to Reggie Miller, the uh, Hall of Famer, Turner Sports NBA analyst. I try to tell people how great Rodman was with the Pistons. And I just, you know, when he was with the Bulls, he became a little more one-dimensional where he was just rebounding. He wasn't the great defender he was in Detroit. He, He took pride in guarding Bird or James Worthy, and he just was a pogo stick. He just ran all day. Um, but can you imagine a coach who says to his player, you can go to Vegas for a couple of days in season? Yeah. And, and they gave him his, his blessings to go there so he could shack up with Carmen Electra in Vegas. <laughs> Look, what, what do you see from that, vi- that image in the videos? Um, that could not be done today because of camera phones, smartphones, because of social media. If you look at the footage, there are no cameras going off. There are no people aren't holding cell phones up when he's on stage and his shirt is off. You could do those. I mean, it's a human GPS nowadays, your, your phone. So, you know, you could track everyone's movement. That could not happen in, in today's era because of social media. But, you know, I go to tell people, Think about if you're Phil Jackson and the Bulls, you have arguably three of the best on-ball perimeter defenders in the game on one team, MJ, Scotty, and Dennis. So if those guys played in today's games where you switch everything, every pick and roll, that's like lockdown city. And I try to tell people, people like, but he didn't score. Like, what did he do well? He did, minus the scoring, the rebounding, the positioning, and all the toughness. You know, I don't think I've told this story before. When Mike was filming Space Jam, um, they built the Jordan Dome for him so he could work out. And he would film all day, you know, 6 o'clock call time, and he would be done like around 6 p.m., 7 o'clock. And then we would go up and actually it was the best runs ever. So they called it the Jordan Dome, and all the top ballers came up on the Warner Brothers lot. Invitation only? Someone invitation. I mean, Michael didn't say who he wanted, but – it was all the top players. So you had, you know, Eddie Jones at the time, uh, Jawan Howard. Guys, I mean, I believe Magic came through uh, once or twice, but it was unbelievable. No riffraff, but it was nothing. Hard fouls. And this is at the time where they were thinking about signing Rodman. And my good friend and my teammate at UCLA, Jack Haley, who had been Rodman's babysitter in San Antonio and then in Chicago, it was close to them signing him. And other than MJ during those runs, Rodman, I mean, I had played against him, obviously, when he was in Detroit and San Antonio, was phenomenal. And usually in pickup games, Dan, you know this, it's all about scoring and, you know, Ole defense. So what was he going to bring in a pickup game? Phenomenal. Phenomenal. And the little exercise that he did last night about tracking the rebounds and he could tell the arcs and the rotations, it's absolutely 100% true. The instincts this young, that, that dude had was unbelievable. 
Yeah, he's he's a fascinating guy. Just can't imagine if you go. Imagine somebody nowadays going, uh, "Hey, I, I can I go to Vegas no. for like?" Remember when Johnny Manziel? They had a, a weekend off, and he went to Vegas. I mean, you know, people went crazy over that. But with Dennis, I think Phil's genius is he knew how to treat everybody as an individual. A lot of coaches treat everybody collectively, and I think Phil was able to look at you individually and say. This is what you need. That's different from what he needs. And another fascinating look, what's great about this doc, is the in-game adjustments that the great players make. The interaction that MJ had with Rodman about you know a particular switch when Oak is coming behind me. The great ones know how to adapt on the fly because everyone has a game plan coming in, into a game. And then, you know, like Mike Tyson said, once you get punched in the mouth, you got to be able to adapt. Those guys were able to adapt on the fly to any situation. And just to hear the talking, I mean, that's what I miss probably the most in watching this thing yeah. because it's, it's those, those minor adjustments as teammates and as brothers uh, that you make that makes the difference between, you know, being a champion and, you know, being a runner-up. And that is what's fascinating to see. I know we get into this discussion. It's like, uh, who's the greatest of all time? And then we go back and forth with that. But when you start to look at great teams, we look at, it's really the generation in which they played in. You know, the Celtics of the sure. 60s wouldn't come anywhere near a team now. Uh, you know, the Bulls in the 90s, though, it feels like they could play physical if they had to. They could run if they needed to. They could play great defense if they needed to. They would have adapted to become better three-point shooters because the game would have called for that. And if, if I took Golden State with Durant and Steph and Clay and put them back in the 90s, you know, so if I do it the other way around, I put Jordan's Bulls you know, now against Golden State, and I take Golden State now and put them back with the Bulls, how do you think that, that fares? I think the Bulls would have been unbelievable in today's generation because we just mentioned about them being able to switch everything, which they do in today's game, and you have three of the best on-ball perimeter defenders. Would they beat Golden State with Durant? Yes. The seven-game series. Here's my, here's, my, here's my thing. If you put that Golden State team in the 90s, the question is going to be because back then you could hold. You could hit. You saw the physical play. Yeah. Is Steph going to be able to hold up to that? Right? I, Katie, I believe, could. Durant, yes. Possibly Clay is Steph. Now, I know Steph would be able to adapt because we all would have to, but you get to hold back then. You get to be in the clinches. You get to take people out the air. Is he able to take that punishment? Could you imagine if LeBron and KD took that punishment that MJ? and a lot of us had to take in the 90s. I just wonder how they would – I would love to see that. Because yeah, now that's a flagrant foul and possibly a five-game suspension. Well, but you wouldn't be expecting those calls. It's, if, I, if I say LeBron is the same size as Carl Malone with yeah. a better hand, so Carl could handle it, I'm looking at LeBron. If he doesn't know, hey, wait a minute, I'm supposed to get those calls, or they, they – they would give me those calls in another era if he knows only what he's playing. I think LeBron would be he would be great no, in LeBron, any era. LeBron, LeBron could have played sixty in any era. Yeah, yeah. LeBron in any era. Yeah. There's some players you're wondering could they play in any era? 
But would you take if KD I, could play? KD could play in any era. If I took uh, Kobe and Shaq versus the Golden State Warriors with Durant, that's a good. That's an unbelievable matchup because no one had an answer for Shaq in those first, in those first three championship. No one had an answer for Shaq. I don't know what Chicago would have done. But if I put and, if I put Kobe, them against Golden State, Kobe and MJ. That would have been, in, you know, I still give the edge to MJ, but Kobe would have kept him honest. And you got Pippen, who's going to cover, who's going to match with him. You got Rodman. Um, what if I put uh, Shaq and Kobe versus Golden State with Durant, Steph, Clay? Okay, now what are you playing in today's rules or to, today's the rules. rules? Today's rules. You don't have a mask. <laughs> People, Shaq was a B. <laughs> man, you never asked for that dude, man. What, you don't think uh, JaVale McGee is going to be able to stop him? <laughs> uh, no. No. But you think that Shaq Kobe versus the Bulls, they would give them a better run than the Golden State Warriors with Durant, Steph, and Clay? I do. Because of, of Shaq. And, and Kobe is going to go... My, him and Mike are going to go, maybe not toe-to-toe, but it's going to be pretty close. He would keep them honest. Yes, both ends of the floor. Hey, uh, he before I let you honest. go, uh, NBA talking about opening up camps here uh, May 1st, opening up facilities. What do you, what do you think, uh, what kind of time frame are we looking at? Well, if they open up practice facilities, that means guys can go in and actually get workouts in. It's probably going to take most players anywhere from – two and a half to three weeks to get in some type of shape. I mean, I think you're looking at mid-June again. If if you're going to resume basketball, we're talking about mid-June to late June of getting NBA basketball back. Again, with no fans, though. Yeah, I don't see that happening. But shouldn't you already be in shape? How much? How out of shape can you be? Wait, be in shape? How are they being in shape? They've been at home. What, on a treadmill? There's home gyms. That's not basketball shape. Well, it's not you know, like they're, they're not going to have a beer gut. No, but conditioning, it's, it's going to take a while. To get your legs back, it's going to take a while. Do you believe that Steph Curry doesn't have a basketball hoop at his house? I believe he does not have a basketball hoop at his house. Isn't that no. amazing? But, no, most players don't have an indoor court. Well, no, but even an outdoor. You got it. Do you have an outdoor court? I do. Okay. But shooting outdoors and doing drills outdoors is a lot different than doing drills indoor. Who's the second best shooter in your neighborhood? <laughs> I would say Paul Pierce is around here somewhere. I would say Paul Pierce. <laughs> Paul Pierce is around here somewhere. If no, I, I would say no, I would say Paul George. Paul George. Oh, Paul George. okay. Paul George. Paul George. So I would be the third best shooter if I lived in you the would neighborhood. Be, you would be the third best shooter in Calabasas. Thank you. Come to Calabasas High, <laughs> baby. <laughs> the, the, the tough courts of Calabasas High. Oh, it's tough out here, man. The mean street of Calabasas. It's tough out here. All right. We're going to check in with you when, when your episode. Do you, is your episode eight or nine? Do you know? Uh, 
It's one of those two from what uh, I've been hearing. All right, find yeah. out from our good friend Gail when, when you, you get featured here in the documentary. Again, I have no idea how they fr- I'm just telling you all now. I have no idea how they frame this, nor do I care. Like what he said about Isaiah being a a-hole. Yeah. I might be in that same vein. So I apologize. I'm really a nice guy, but <laughs> not, I was not only on the doing court. My job. Not on the I court. I was only doing my job. I know you were. That's why you became a Hall of Famer. All right, Reg. Uh, thanks, bud. Talk to you soon. Y'all the best. All right. That's Reggie Aloysius Miller. Uh, episode nine, I'm being told. Reg is on episode nine. Uh, do you look forward to that? Because you don't know what Michael's going to say about you. Reg only knows what he was asked about. You don't know what Jordan's going to say about you. I can't be as bad as Isaiah. We'll take a break. Last call for phone calls. We'll close up shop. What's in store tomorrow right after this. Thanks for listening to the Dan Patrick Show podcast. Be sure to catch us live every weekday morning, 9 until noon Eastern, 6 to 9 Pacific on Fox Sports Radio. And you can find us on the iHeartRadio app at FSR or stream us live every day at YouTube.com slash The Dan Patrick Show. Last call for phone calls. What we learned this day in sports history. All of that coming up. Talk to the Blazers, C.J. McCollum. He'll join us on the program tomorrow. Getting closer to going to these facilities, and then what's the next step out of that for the NBA? Do we have basketball by mid-June, late June? Appears to be the sort of timetable for this. Final results of the poll question, McLovin. Do you like the traditional draft or the virtual draft? 62% said the traditional draft. All right. Paulie has something left over from the draft. Yeah, I forgot this the other day. Uh, Reese did a great job. Trey Wingo did a great job. But this line I heard the other day at the draft, like, did I hear this right? Trey Wingo's talking about a really good defensive lineman for Auburn. Here's what he said. He's served in the Army and the National Guard and is now working with the local police department. And he said, I'm a man who starts what he finishes, and that's why he came back for his senior year. Starts what he finishes. So wait, wait, am I hearing this wrong? Did I, did I get the phrase wrong? Finish what he starts. It's all right. Yeah, I know. That was it. Trey was on a roll. He starts what he finishes. Yeah. Full steam of head. <laughs> Didn't Reg have that, a full steam of head? Yeah, someone was yeah. Uh, taking one to the to the hoop, and he goes, he has a full steam of head. Yes, he does. Yes, don't we all? All right, uh, let me see. Mike in Florida. Hey, Mike, what do you have for me today? Hey, Dan Patrick. Uh, how's it going, man? Good, good. Good, good, good. So, you know, my, my best of the weekend is kind of a tie. I mean, obviously, a Niner fan, I thought that uh, they had a phenomenal draft the way John Lynch moved up and up and around the board uh, to get Trent Williams after Joe Staley retired was huge. Yep. Um, and, and to address needs with the first picks in the first round were awesome. Uh, they didn't need much because, you know, Super Bowl team, they kept pretty much everyone just getting some replacements for the people that left. But I also, I thought with Fritzy's uh, clue of heat and cold, I don't know if you guys had a chance to listen to the Aaron Gordon diss track that he put out uh, over the weekend uh still a little hurt about uh you know not winning the slam dunk championship uh and it's pretty good yeah you know, i heard that bad. he goes after uh, Dwayne wade on this but uh thank you mike i just heard about it we'll drop it tomorrow maybe i'll get <laughs> cj mccollum to listen to it and tell me what he thinks of aaron gordon's diss track over the uh slam dunk competition this day in sports history paulie Fritzy had it. Nolan Ryan of the Astros broke uh, 3,500 uh, strikeouts, 3,509 this year, day in 1983. And in 1947, it was Babe Ruth Day was celebrated at Yankee Stadium. He passed away a year later. Hmm. 
uh, go around the room what we learned on the program. Uh, Fritzy, I'll start with you. You think it's a very good move by the Saints to add Mr. Jameis Winston to the roster? Yeah, I do. I, I think why not bring him in and see he's got talent. He just doesn't have judgment. And if you can help him with that, it's the same thing that Jordan Love is going to learn from Aaron Rodgers. You're going to have him come in and you're going to have him understand Aaron Rod. Nobody's better at interception to touchdown ratios in the history of the sport. Why not learn from him? Drew Brees is one of the great ones as well. I think it would be really smart to be able to learn from those two. McLovin, what did you learn today? Guest appearance by Peter King's dog, Chuck. Yep. <laughs> yep. By the way, chat row, come up with a t-shirt. I, I told you, well, you, you guys have, let's get five t-shirts there and let us look at it and see which ones we can produce, but we'll make t-shirts for you that'll be available for the chat row. Uh, but you know, let's narrow it down. Mario is looking at this. Uh, also, Tyler, the moderator, is helping as well with uh, the chat row. Seton O'Connor, what did you learn today? I learned the Pistons shouldn't apologize for anything. No. This is who you are. It's like Michael didn't apologize. Michael got inducted into the Basketball Hall of Fame. He was not humble. It was a <laughs> roast. He roasted Hall of Famers. You don't have to apologize. That's who you are. That's who you were. That's who the Pistons are. Isaiah can smile all day long, but he was a killer. He was a great player. Do not apologize. Paulie, what did you learn? Did Michael Jordan keep Isaiah Thomas off the dream team? Reggie Miller didn't have him Hall. He said, yes. Yep. But that's probably where he says to David Stern, we're going to have professionals. We're going to have this team together. Do you want to be a part of it? Yes, uh, here's my list of people I don't want on the team. There's only one name. It's just Isaiah. I didn't even put his last name. Isaiah Ryder? No, Isaiah Thomas. I don't know if Isaiah Ryder was in the league. Uh, what we learned brought to you by LegalZoom. They made it easy to set up the right estate plan without leaving your home. Take care of your family today with the right estate plan at LegalZoom.com. Thanks for joining us. We'll do it again tomorrow. Be safe. Be smart. Talk to you then. Oh, uh, but one more item here before we close out the show. 1-800-Flowers. That's the best people to order flowers from. You can order now. You can get a, a bright, beautiful mix of roses, a rainbow of colors. These blooms are guaranteed to make mom smile. 